Welcome to the Centro Church Podcast. To find out more about Centro Church, please visit us at centrochurch.com.au or download our smartphone app today. Uh, This morning, I want to preach to you on the title, uh, Beans or Birthright? Beans or Birthright? Turn to your neighbor and say, Beans or Birthright? Beans or Birthright? You know, the Bible is full of people who had a call of God on their life, and a lot of them did it. They outworked it. They lived a life where they had this call from God, and they lived that life, they lived that calling. But the Bible is full of other people who had a call of God in their life, but they didn't live it out. For some reason or another, they just failed to live out their birthright and instead lived a life of beans. You know, we sit at the very beginning, with, with the Garden of Eden story, the story in, uh, of Adam and Eve, we see this at the very beginning where, you know, uh, Adam and Eve, the Bible says that they walked with God. They walked with God. It uh, uh, says that they were one with God. They were with God. They walked one with God. They ate from the tree of life. They ate from a tree of wholeness. They ate from the tree of life, a tree of completeness, a tree of oneness with God. But and then for some reason or another, they decide to give up a tree of life, they decide to give up a a walk with God, a oneness with God, and they trade oneness for likeness. The Bible says that they are convinced, they're deceived, they're lied to, and they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so instead of choosing to eat from a tree of oneness, they decide for themselves that actually I want to be like God and I want to know what's right and what's wrong. And so Adam and Eve decide for themselves, you know, uh, what they want to know and hopefully their, uh, you know, their thought was hopefully I can just choose to do the right thing all the time. But no matter what side of that tree they ate from, whether it was the good side or the bad side, it was just all the bad side because they had traded oneness with God for likeness with God. Adam and Eve trade oneness for likeness. And so the Bible turns out to be this quasi-type narrative of how we were once connected with God, but then we decided that we could do things better, so we disconnected ourselves from God, and then once we were disconnected, realized that, hmm, this isn't so much what I thought it was. I shouldn't have disconnected myself. How do I reconnect myself back to God? And, uh, you know, the same is for us it's the same today you know not just for Adam and Eve the same is today that in Christ we have the ability through Christ to live a life where we're one with God where we're connected with God but so often I don't know about you but certainly for me I make these choices and we make these choices that sometimes disconnects ourselves from what we really should have done which was to stay connected with God scripture is full of people who are called to do something great, to eat from the tree of life, but then chose to become self-aware instead of God-aware. You know, Saul was called to be a great king, but he was disqualified because of jealousy. You know, uh, David was called to build the temple, but then disqualified himself with a lack of discipline. Moses was called to lead a nation out of slavery, but the guy kept disqualifying himself because of his insecurity. Ananias and Sapphira, they were called to lead great ministries, but disqualified themselves due to greed. You know that all of us have a birthright. 
You're called to a legacy greater than yourself. Just like men and women of the Bible who had a call of God, you too, individually and corporately, we have a call of God on our lives and on the life of this church. But there are things in our life that can turn our birthright into beans. Let me explain. The first time that a birthright is turned into beans, we find in Genesis 25. You can get out your Bibles if you want. Get on your smartphones or your dumb phones, whatever you got. Genesis 25, and we look at verse, let's get that up, verse uh, 27. Genesis 25, verse 27. And uh, it's talking the story of Jacob and Esau. It says this. The boys grew up, Jacob and Esau, and Esau became a skillful hunter. Any skillful hunters in the house this morning? One, oh, there's a few, they're very cool, skillful hunters. A man of the open country. Sounds pretty good. Who wants to go to the open country this morning? You know, fishing, forward driving. Oh, oh, there we go. A few, hand, a few more hands now. There we go. While Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents, Isaac, the dad, who had a taste for wild game, so he loved eating meat. Um, who loves eating meat? Personally, I love animals. Um, I think they taste delicious. Dad loved Esau, but Rebecca loved Jacob. And you start to see some issues that are about to pop up now. Some family issues here. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew, I'm famished. This is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What? It's a bit over the top, isn't it? (laughs) Have you ever said anything over the top before? That's rhetorical. (laughs) What good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear it to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. What I want to do this morning is just unpack this story and see what we can just glean out of it and gain for our own life this morning. The first thing I think that we need to look at really is, I guess, the instigator of this problem. So the problem was that Esau sells his birthright for a bowl, for a bowl of beans. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, but he was tricked. And yes, he was, you know, by his brother Jacob. Uh, you know, Jacob is very much involved in this story. And the most interesting thing about Jacob is Jacob's identity. I think it's important to understand why this story ends up the way it does because of Jacob and his identity. You know that the Hebrew word Jacob, it means liar. It means deceiver. That was his name. His name meant deceiver. Could you imagine what this did to this man? Every morning. Hey, wake up, liar. Wake up, deceiver. Could you imagine, you know, breakfast time. Deceiver, it's time for breakfast. Liar, get to school. Liar, do your chores. Deceiver, you know, it's time to go out. Could you imagine what this did to this man being constantly and consistently told he's a liar. Remember that phrase that we used to say at school? Um, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will. Oh, you've heard it too. (laughs) Never hurt me. What a load of not truth that was, right? That's a lie right there. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's a lie. What it really should be is sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will only give me lifelong psychological damage. That's what it should be, right? Right there. Names are so powerful. You know, in fact, a lot of how we act and react to things is, what, is because people have spoken things over our life and we've become what people have told us to 
become. Names are so powerful. Jacob, his whole life, you can actually see in the story of Jacob, he lies and he deceives and he steals his whole life because he's told to. I don't know what names have been spoken over your life this morning. You know, it may be names of, you know, like you're worthless or you're nothing. You know, you'll never amount to anything. You know, maybe you've been told that you're ugly. Maybe you've been told that you're poor, you know, that you won't amount. I don't know what kind of words have been spoken over your life this morning that, you know, may have defined who you are up until this point. But I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is in the name-changing business. See, Jacob, at the very end of the story, has this revelation, he's got to go and apologize to his brother Esau for doing what he did. So he goes to Esau, and it's on that journey of going to Esau that he has this encounter with God. And God says, Jacob, for for me to actually use you, for you to actually achieve what I need you to achieve in your life, to achieve your purpose, I need to change your name. And God says, your name is no longer liar. I, I can't work with liar. So I'm going to change your name to Israel, which means may God prevail. He's basically saying, Jacob, I can't afford for you to be self-aware of yourself. I need you to be God-aware of me. And so God changes his name from being self-aware to being God-aware. The story wasn't about him, it was about him. (laughs) Let me tell you this morning, church, I'm glad that God's in the name-changing business. I'm glad that Jesus is in the name-changing business. So we see in the story, Jacob being told he's a liar, a deceiver, and he does. Something else interesting about this story is this phrase that we see in the Hebrew language. In the English, it says, uh, quick, let me have some of that red stew. Quick, let me have some of that red stew. Um, If you were to go uh, to the Hebrew Bible, and uh, there's some things online that, that you can go and actually read the original language, what in English is nine words, in the Hebrew is actually only two words. What's nine words in the English is actually two words in the Hebrew, and the two words are ha-adam, ha-adam. Turn to your neighbor and say, ha-adam, ha-adam. Turn to the other person on the other side and say, ha-adam, ha-adam. <laughs> so they're the two words that the Bible uses, ha-adam, ha-adam. It means red. It means red stuff. That's what it means. It means red. And so we see Esau uh, coming in saying, Ha-adam, ha-adam. That's what he says. See, in, in the Hebrew language, uh, they didn't have all these words to fully explain. You know, uh, they, they lacked certain adverbs. And so, you know, if, if say, I was running, if an ancient Jew was here, which would be kind of awkward because they're all dead now, but if an ancient Jew was here, if they were say, hey, Tim's running fast, they would say, Tim's running fast. But if they were to say, Tim's running really fast, they would just say, Tim's running fast, fast. You know, we do it sometimes, you know. Is that hot or is that hot, hot? <laughs> you know? <laughs> is that funny or funny, funny? You know, <laughs> what does that mean? Like, you know, <laughs> right? Um, you know, uh, Jesus, when he says, you know, that I have peace that surpasses all understanding, he didn't say, I have shalom. He said, I have shalom, shalom. He said, I have shalom, shalom, shalom. They just repeated that. Do you get the point? So Esau comes in off, you know, what he was doing, and he finds himself uh, a famished, and he's got this urge and he says, ha-adam, ha-adam, give me that red, give me that red. You know, he didn't come in and say, hey, Jake, hey, because I noticed that you cooked some stuff. Hey, can I have some food because I'm hungry? He didn't say that. He'd, otherwise, he just would have said, ha-adam. But the fact that he said, ha-adam, ha-adam, meant whatever is in that bowl, right now, I want it, right now. Because he said it twice. I really, really need that. Whatever is in that bowl, 
that's what I want. Ha-adam, ha-adam, give me that red, give me that red. What did he use the word red for? It's interesting. Um, the word adam means red, so that's why. <laughs> but the word dam, so adam is red. The word dam means blood. It means blood. In ancient culture, blood was a mystical thing. It was a crazy thing. It was a, a magical thing. That they didn't know biology like what we do. You know, we know what blood is now. We know what it does. But in ancient culture, they, they didn't. They, all they knew was that if I don't have it, I'm dead. That's all they knew. All they knew was that life is in the blood. And so that's why we practiced for thousands and thousands of years things like animal sacrifice and human sacrifice. Because we had this idea that if I could get the blood, then I would get life. Kind of brings, a, I guess, a new meaning to why Jesus came, doesn't it? And he gave of his blood. God's looking down, God's involved, and he's saying, man, why are you killing everything all the time? It's not about, it's not about the blood, you know, but God basically says, you know what, if it's blood you want, if it's life that you want, if it's a life source that you want, here, take my blood. <laughs> and so God comes down to earth and he says, hey, no more killing. In fact, one more for the end of time. No more blood. That's what Jesus was here for. He came and he said, hey, if you need blood, if you're looking for a life source, have mine, but no more killing. No more. Stop it. Have life. Have my life. And so Esau comes in and he says, give me that red, give me that red. Give me that blood, give me that blood. Which simply represented a life source. Whatever's in that bowl, I need that because it's going to give me life. It's going to give me something that I'm urging for right now. Esau comes in and he says, give me that life source that I know you have. And so Esau becomes infatuated with what's in the bowl. And he says to Jacob, whatever's in that bowl, give it to me. Because if I don't have it, I'm going to die. And Esau becomes infatuated with what's in the bowl. And Jacob, we now know, is a liar and a deceiver. He says, <laughs> awesome. You want what I got? Yeah, I do. Ha, Adam, ha, Adam. Give it to me. <laughs> you want what I got? It's going to cost you everything. Sell me your birthright. Sell me who you are, Esau. Sell me, and I'll give you a bowl of beans. And so Esau gives up his birthright for beans. You know, it's so easy, I think, to look past this whole idea of birthright because, you know, we don't really practice it in Western culture what a birthright is, but a birthright in, 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 in uh, still cultures today, but in ancient culture, was a huge thing. A birthright, in fact, it went to the eldest. In fact, it was, it was the eldest son's identity. Everything that he was going to be was in the birthright. The birthright represented a few things. It represented things like a double portion of the inheritance. So when it came for, for the eldest son to own everything, he would get a double portion of the inheritance. You know, today we just basically divide everything by our kids you know, but uh, ancient, it was the, birth, the eldest gets double, okay, mum and dad, just remember that, okay, I, I, I get double, okay, double, that's what they got, um, it, uh, it, it, it allowed them to be ordained judicial, uh, uh, ju uh, judicial authority, 
So it allowed them to make decisions on behalf of the family. It allowed them to go to court on behalf of the family. It, 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 it allowed them to make law up for the family. Uh, whoever had the birthright became co-heirs with dad. So even before dad died, they were co-heirs. They were co-heirs with dad even before the dad had passed away. They were anointed as the priest of the family. So they had spiritual covering of the family. They were the legacy of the family name. It was an identity. The birthright was an identity and a position. So for Esau, this represented who he was and who he was going to be. For Esau, this represented his future. For Esau, this represented his destiny. It represented his legacy. It represented his authority. It represented who he was now and who he was going to be in the future. The birthright was extremely important. This was who this guy was. You know that in Christ, you and I, individually and collectively, we've been given a birthright. Do you know that? We've been given a birthright in Christ. Galatians says this, and now that you belong in, 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 in Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So because you find yourself in Jesus, the promises of Abraham now belong to you. What promises did Abraham get? Well, Abram was told that he would, be, uh, 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 he would be blessed to be a blessing. Sounds like double portion to me, doesn't it? It, it? it says that he will be a blessing to all nations. What that means is this, people, that I'm not blessed just so I can be self-aware of my own blessing, but I'm blessed so that everyone around me, anyone that I touch during the day, anyone that has any kind of interaction with me are going to be blessed because of me. That's what your identity is, church. If you're looking for an identity, this is your first identity. This is your birthright, that every single person that you engage with every single day is blessed just because they saw your face. Peter says this, you're a chosen people. It's your identity, you're chosen. You're a royal priest. You're a holy nation. God's very own possession. Romans says, now we are children. You know, uh, sorry, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God. Check this out. And co-heirs with Christ. You know, we're co-heirs with Christ. Christ. What that means is this, it's not our job or calling to pray to Jesus for good things to happen and then watch Jesus do it and then give him a round of applause when it happens. It's not our job. Our job is to actually pray, Lord, this person needs a miracle. Do it through me. Let me be involved in the miracle because we're co-heirs. God doesn't do anything until he's got someone to do it through. You are, we're called to be co-heirs. Heirs, stop praying for miracles in your family. Be a miracle. Stop praying for miracles in your community. Be a miracle. Because you're co-heirs with God. The exact same birthright that Esau had, the same right that gave him his identity, his position and his future, is the exact same birthright that we have in Christ. Let me tell you, know what bowls exist in your life. Know what urges exist in your life. 
that cause you to give up birthrights. Know what things are in your life that cause you to choose beings over your true called identity. Know those things in your life that seem like blood. If I need that to feel like I'm alive. Know what things are those blood things in your life. If I don't have it, then I feel like I can't live without it. You know, Esau, like us many times, we come to a crossroad. You know, we see in this story, Esau's flesh is hungry. We see Esau, his, his flesh is tired. He's hungry. He's famished. Anyone ever been tired and hungry and famished before? He's tired, he's hungry, he's famished, and he comes into this situation where he has this urge. He has this flesh desire. And he's, he feels it's driving him. And he sells himself out. He, sells, he sells his whole identity out for an urge. He sells himself out for a small time lapse, for a small brain lapse, an urge in his heart, an urge in his mind, an urge in his flesh. question for us this morning, me, is what, what have you sold yourself out for? What have I sold myself out for? What things have you desired for that when you got it, it just ended up being a bowl of beans? Didn't even satisfy you. The story says that Esau despised his birthright, meaning the beans didn't even satisfy him. And he was so ticked at himself that he did what he did. You know, maybe it's, maybe the bowl of beans is things like shame or guilt. Maybe it's something small like materialism. You know, and we live this life where we need to buy all this stuff. You know, we've got the car that cost us a fortune. We've got the house that cost us a fortune. We can't even afford the repayments. We, we buy all this technology and we're trying to keep up with technology and we have all this stuff around us to try and get some kind of identity out of it. Yet we find ourselves in debt, can't meet repayments, and we realize <laughs> this is just a bowl of beans. It hasn't even given me life at all. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's an addiction, you know, and we see this blood, we see this red stuff. Ah, dumb, ah, dumb. I need that. I need that to feel alive. You know, and we do what we do, whether it's, you know, maybe a habit of getting angry. You know, we're just kind of getting angry, and at the end of being angry, there's so much damage done, we realize what I did, what I thought I needed, what I thought I needed, which was people to submit to me and all that it's just a bowl of beans maybe it's something that we're watching or looking at and we do what we do and we realize it's just all a bowl of beans it wasn't actually blood it wasn't actually blood it was just a bowl of lentils a bowl of beans maybe it's low self-esteem you know we always run to that low self-esteem that was something that I used to run to that was a problem that I had was you know Tim, you're not good enough. Tim, there's other people doing this that are way better than you. 
So why are you doing it? You know, and shame and guilt. And so often I just realized that it was just all a bowl of beans because I was becoming self-aware. I wasn't God-aware. I was self-aware, not God-aware. I was eating from the wrong tree. You know, the tree of life that keeps our eyes on Jesus. I was eating from the tree of knowledge. Became self-aware, not God-aware. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for Jesus. Not that he gave up of his blood. Not, you know, not so much that, and thank you, thankful that he did. Not so much that he became my life source. What I'm thankful for is that he came to live in our hell. And he overcame the urges. He showed us that we don't need to chase a bowl of beans. We don't need to chase. In fact, through God, he gives us the power and the authority to not live a life where we're chasing beans constantly. You know, we see it in Matthew 4. We see Jesus being tempted by the devil. He goes to fast and pray. And the devil comes and he says, Jesus, turn this rock to bread so you'll be full. Jesus says, no, you know, I'm not going to live. I don't live by just, you know, I live by the word of God, not just, you know, physical. You know, I'm glad that Jesus didn't choose beans. You know, Satan comes and he says, actually, Jesus, uh, the Bible says that, you know, nothing's going to touch God's anointed. So throw yourself off this ledge and angels will come and catch you. You know, and the devil tried to sell out Jesus' faith for a bowl of beans. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus didn't sell out the, for a bowl of beans? Satan comes to him and says, hey, all, the, all these kingdoms on earth here, I'll give them all to you. I'll give you all these kingdoms. Satan was trying to sell out Jesus' birthright, his identity, because the thing is, Jesus already was the king of kings and the lord of lords. The nation's already submitted to him. <laughs> Aren't you glad this morning? that Jesus didn't sell himself out for a bowl of beans. You know, Jesus was tempted the exact same way that Esau was. Tempted the exact same way. Hey, here's a life source, Jesus. Here's the blood. Here's the blood. But he didn't. He was tempted the same way. Hey, Jesus, eat from the tree of knowledge. But Jesus says, no, I'm going to eat from the tree of oneness. Why would I choose the likeness of God when I'm already one with God? God. You know, I'm glad that Jesus, he took that bowl off the devil and he said, devil, you know, whatever you've got in this bowl, it doesn't nourish me. Whatever you've got in this bowl, whatever you think is in this is actually not going to give me fullness of life because I'm already one with God. I don't need that. I don't need likeness with God. I've got oneness with God. Let me tell you this morning, church, let me tell you this morning, you know, I'm sick of a life chasing after flipping bowls of beans. I'm sick of living a life where I'm constantly chasing a life after urges. I'm here to tell you that you can eat from the tree of life this morning, that you can eat from wholeness and oneness of God this morning because you have a birthright, you have a destiny, you have strength, you're called, your life is a life changer. Oh, let me tell you, find those things in your life that are bowls of beans and throw that sucker away. Throw out the bowl of beans this morning. 
Get whatever that thing is and throw it out of your life. Get whatever that urge is and throw it out of your life. Come on, let's stand up this morning. We're going to worship Jesus right now. And we're going to throw out those things in our life. Come on, guys. Come on. Oh, Rabbah, Sarama, Kutus, Sarama. Oh, this day.